It's great to be with you. Thank you to Ben, uh, Becky and Dave. Um, we're coming to the end of this series of four weeks where we're looking at remember when. Remember when God, remember when Jesus, remember when the Holy Spirit, and remember when we. And this is introduced in our books in this way. For our final session, we're looking at how, how our remember when stories play a part in making Jesus known. Even if we don't expect it, God invites us all to participate in telling the world the good news about Jesus. Now, maybe, didn't we do that last week? Didn't we do that the week before? If I have a comment on this season, uh, on this series, it is that there's an awful lot of overlap. Now, that's not a criticism. That's really, really very good because it, overlapping and in, repeating important things is never a bad idea. And we in this country are really not very good at sharing our faith. It, partly because of our British reserve, maybe. Uh, maybe because we don't think we're good enough. We're afraid of making a mess. Uh, we're afraid of, we don't lack confidence in the gospel. We're maybe afraid of being ridiculed. All those things. Anyway, today we have this remarkable opportunity to look at this tremendous story, one of the best stories and certainly one of my favorite stories. There's so much to teach us in this story, so much about being a witness, about sharing the gospel, about evangelism, and Jesus gives us this master class when he talks to the woman, uh, but there is so much more than that in this whole story. Remember when we is the subject today. So it's about us. It's about us as a group. It's about us as a group of disciples. Now let's look at this story through the eyes of those original disciples. Now last week, you'll remember that Andy talked about Take That and Gary Barlow and their visit to Wembley Stadium about 10 years ago, maybe? Something like that. Okay. Um, now, Gary Barlow was a celebrity. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus was a celebrity. And before that, John the Baptist was a celebrity. Look at this verse in, in John chapter 3. Now, John was baptizing, and because there was plenty of water at this place I can't pronounce, uh, people were constantly coming to be baptized, it says. And then in Luke uh, 3, it says, God... God John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. Crowds of people. John was being very successful. He was popular. He was the local celebrity. He was drawing this crowd. If you wanted a day out in those days, you went out and you found a speaker or a storyteller. But this storyteller was baptizing as well. Large crowds. Huge crowds coming. And there were queues, and they had to get them into queues to be uh, baptized. And then we read in John uh, 4, the first verse of our chapter here, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Now, wow, what a situation. If John was a celebrity, then Jesus was a super celebrity. You wanted to be part of Jesus's entourage. You, you wanted to hang about with him because he was a celebrity, just like Jane uh, wanted to hang about with Gary Barlow, I guess, because he was a celebrity. Now, 
these disciples of Jesus were important people. They were looked up to. Their boss was the man of the moment. They liked what was happening. And then we also read, although in fact <clears throat> it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So in fact it was better than that because they weren't just part of Jesus's fan club. They were not just part of the support team, but they were actually doing the baptizing. They were performing. It's like being on stage with Gary Barlow, being in the band, doing the business. This was life to the full. It could not get better than this. Can you put yourself in the position of those disciples? Jane can. And then we read this. When the Lord learned about this, he left Judea and went back to Galilee. What? What? But everything was going so well. They were celebrities, populars, crowds, all that sort of stuff that we've been talking about. Going back to Galilee? I like to think that, uh, and this may not be right, but I like to think that Jesus spoke to his disciples one evening after the meal. They'd had a They'd had a long day, it'd been a great day, and loads of people had come, and they were very popular, and they were rapidly getting more famous, and all that, and they were relaxing over this meal in the evening, and Jesus suddenly says to them, oh, by the way, guys, we're going back to Galilee in the morning, make sure you, you pack up your stuff tonight, and, and we'll leave after breakfast. Wow. That's a bit like Gary Barlow saying one evening after a packed Wembley concert, oh, God, we're going on, we're, we're leaving tomorrow, guys, we'll go up to West Hartlepool. Turning our backs on all this? Um, do you think they, they argued with Jesus about this? I don't know whether they did or not. But they certainly made their feelings known and they had a sleepless night. They were turning and tossing. They were thoroughly bad-tempered. They couldn't understand it. And the following morning, they were really grumpy. What are we doing this for? This is crazy. Everything is going so well. And they get outside the door uh, with their bags uh, to go with Jesus and they head off. And Jesus says, hold on, guys. We're going this way. But Jews don't go that way. It says uh, in the text, now they had to go through Samaria. Well, they didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews didn't go through Samaria, particularly if they're important Jews, influential Jews, Jews who were celebrities. They didn't go through Samaria. They took the day tour and they went round the side of Samaria because these Samaritans were the scum of the earth. They were hated, they were despised, they were ridiculed. You didn't mention the word Samaritan if you possibly could, as the story of the Good Samaritan tells us. Good Samaritan, anyway, that was a bit of an oxymoron. Jews couldn't understand that. And when the writer of the John's Gospel says in verse 9, Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, well, that is a huge understatement. They hated their guts. So these disciples, they didn't want to leave. They were popular people, and they certainly wanted, didn't want to go this way. And they walked for about three or four hours and they stopped 
at noon. And they stop by a well. Well, why a well? Well, because if there's a well, there's water, there's trees, there's shade, good place to stop. And Jesus says to his disciples, um, <clears throat> would you go down into the village and get us some food for lunch? What? Another shock, another surprise. But this is a Samaritan village. You can be absolutely sure that this wasn't the disciples' idea to go into the village. Now, if you go shopping in Coscata or Morrison's or Tesco's or Sainsbury's, you, you, you can avoid talking to anybody. You can avoid any eye contact with anybody at all if you really want to, can't you? But in those days, to shop was to barter, to argue over a price, to interact in quite a deep level. Fake didn't want that with these wretched, horrible Samaritans. Well, they did their shopping as very quickly as possible, and they get back out of the village. Now these, you see, they didn't want to leave in the first place. They didn't want to go this way. They certainly didn't want to go into this village of infidels and talk to them. And then we read in, in, in verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? You see, they were surprised because Jesus was talking to a woman. Now, that was culturally not appropriate, uh, but they were probably used to Jesus doing strange things. I mean, he, you know, he'd done this a lot, talked to women, and, and they got used to that. Uh, that, that. That was all right, sort of. But the real problem was that he wasn't arguing with her. He wasn't attacking her religion. He wasn't telling her how terrible Samaritanism was. He was sharing the good news. He was talking to her just as he would to a Jew. Anyway, this lady gets up and leaves soon and goes back to the village and they settle down for their picnic lunch. But again, this was a very strained atmosphere over lunch. You see, Jesus was not very interested in eating, was he? Verse 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, I tell you, if, if, if breakfast had been grumpy, lunch was very frosty experience. They had put themselves out. They had gone and got food against their will in a Samaritan village. They had been embarrassed and uncomfortable and fed up and confused and thoroughly down. And now Jesus doesn't want to eat it. Can you imagine how confused and angry they were? Yesterday, they were very popular. They were the center of attention. Everybody wanted to know them, talk to them, be baptized by them. They were enjoying this celebrity status. Today, everything was going wrong. 
And as they finished their lunch, they looked up down towards the village and they saw that a crowd was gathering and generally heading in their direction. Ah, now, okay, this was beginning to make sense now. They could understand this. For the first time that day, they understood, or they thought they understood, what was happening. These Samaritans obviously didn't like them being around and wanted to move them on. Whenever Jews and Samaritans met, there was quite a likelihood uh, that was going to be bad feeling, a few nasty words, shouts of insults, uh, maybe even a bit of fisticuffs. We as Jews obviously are not welcome here. They want to move us on. And for the first time that day, these disciples thought they understood what was happening. They didn't want to fight, but, but they understood. It, you know, it made sense. So they stood up, maybe looked around, maybe find a stick that they could maybe defend themselves with. But as the crowd approached, they realized that this was not the heavy gang from the village. This was not men just up for a fight. They weren't carrying clubs and weapons of any sort. In fact, they were smiling. They were smiling. And all their satisfaction, because they thought they understood what, ha what was happening, just evaporated. They were more unhappy and more perplexed than ever before. What is going on here? This goes against everything we understand, everything that we've been taught, everything that we've experienced as Jews. You see, they wanted to leave Judea. They didn't want to come this way. They certainly didn't want to go into the village uh, and get some lunch. Uh, they thought they understood what was happening when the crowd came out of the village. But now they were more perplexed and confused and angry than ever before. And Jesus starts talking to this crowd. And it goes on for an hour. It goes on for another hour. And, and the sun is beginning to, to go down in the day. And then one of the leading men of the village says, Jesus, we have so many questions. And we have so much to ask. Why don't you stay overnight? And we can continue all this tomorrow. Those poor disciples. They wanted Jesus to say, <clears throat> thank you so much for your invitation, but we've got to get on to Galilee. But those disciples just knew in their gut that Jesus wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to say that. Have you ever been in that situation? I'm sure you have. Uh, you've been in a situation where people have asked a question and, and, and your spouse or your child or your parent uh, uh, you know you what you want them to say in response, <laughs> but you jolly know well know that they're not going to say it. Yeah? We've all had that experience. And fair enough, Jesus says, that is very kind of you. We would love to stay and accept your hospitality. And in a moment, this dreadful, traumatic day for the disciples suddenly got ten times worse. And the text says they stayed two whole days, maybe three nights. Amazing. Staying with the Samaritans, eating with the Samaritans, sleeping in Samaritan homes, washing with Samaritans. Eat now, eating with people was a, was a, was a sign of togetherness, of, of friendship with Samaritans. 
So you see, they didn't want to leave because they were having a good time. They didn't want to go this way because they felt uncomfortable. They didn't want to go into the village. They thought they understood what was happening when the crowd came out and now they were more perplexed than ever. They certainly, certainly didn't want to stay in a Samaritan village for two days and endure Samaritan hospitality. What an amazing story. Now, what about us? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Do you call yourself a disciple of Jesus? Disciples of Jesus are called to move outside their comfort zones. It's never easy to willingly step outside your comfort zone. It could not have been more difficult and more painful for these early disciples, these original disciples of Jesus. Unhappiness, misunderstanding, confusion, mistrust, being perplexed, being annoyed, being angry. What's Jesus calling you to do? Where is Jesus calling you to go? Who is he calling you to speak to? Who does he want you to develop a friendship with? If we share our faith, it may be uncomfortable. It may be a bit misunderstood. It may go all wrong and our friendship may be in jeopardy. The person we talk to may just tell others that we're nutters. But as disciples of Jesus, we're called to step out of our comfort zones. You see, this is very hard. This is very hard for us particularly because we've grown up in a risk-adverse culture. We're told daily, everywhere we meet, that safety is important, that health is important, that good times are important, that great holidays are important, that an easy life is what we have to aim for all the time. Our culture says that. Now, in lockdown, so often these days when people say goodbye in lockdown, they say keep safe. Have you noticed that? I've used it a lot. You say, you say goodbye to someone, keep safe, you say. Can you, can you say that to a Christian? Can you say that to a Christian? If you do say that to a Christian, what do you mean by it? You see... Follow Jesus and keep safe, we would say to a Christian, wouldn't we? Follow Jesus and keep safe. Did Jesus keep safe? Was going to the cross a safe option? We're called to take up our cross. That we are disciples of Jesus who are to step out of our comfort zones and step out of our safe zones for the sake of the kingdom. You cannot say, I don't want to do that. I'm not happy to do that. I wouldn't feel comfortable to do that. I'm a bit uneasy with that suggestion. You can't do that. We have to step outside our comfort zones. It's challenging, isn't it? 
I find it so hugely challenging. Now, let me encourage you. Let's go uh, four or five years later. <laughs> We're reading now from uh, Acts chapter 8. This is about four or five years later. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then a few verses later on, in, 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 in verse 25, when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, I wonder, I wonder whether one of those villages was the village of Sychar. And if it was, I bet Peter and John remembered vividly remembered vividly their first visit to Sychar with Jesus three or four years earlier. If you and I are prepared to move out of our comfort zones, to do things that we're not used to, comfortable with, etc., if we're prepared to build relationships that are not expected of us, in three or four years' time, maybe even earlier, we may see God do amazing things. So, you see, I think that one of the greatest reasons why we don't share the gospel is because we like our comfort zones. We're afraid to step out of our comfort zones. And that's my main challenge to you and to me this morning. But, but there's one other thing before we finish. Let's look at the verses at the very end of, of this passage that we've been looking at. Uh, from verse 39 onwards. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more people believed, many more became believers. They said to the woman, "No, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Saviour of the world is a phrase that only, only occurs twice in the whole of Scripture. Uh, anyway, but it's amazing stuff. The saviour of the world. Now, these Samaritans did not become followers because of what the woman said. They became Christians because they met Jesus. They didn't become followers because of what the woman said. They became followers because they met Jesus. And nobody becomes a Christian because of what you say or I say or Andy says, or Aaron says, or anybody else says. They become Christians because they meet 
Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So these Samaritans became Christians because they met Jesus. But they met Jesus because of what the woman said. Her words were important in introducing her neighbors to Jesus. Yeah? Now, you and I sometimes respond by saying, oh, come on, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Was, was she good enough? Was this woman good enough? If some of you listening to me this morning have been married five times before, you've kept it very quiet. She was a woman who lived a life of shame. She lived a life covered with guilt. She was totally despised. She was completely ostracized by her community. She was ridiculed. She was so dishonored that she had to go and get water at noon when no one else was going to be there. If she can be used to introduce people to Jesus, why not you? Why not me? We need to step out of our comfort zones. We need to go into situations that we're not happy with and comfortable with and relaxed about. We need to trust God that he can use our words and our actions to introduce people to Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we claim to be disciples of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we realize that we have so much to learn. Thank you, Father, that when Jesus called the original disciples, they were not perfect people, they were not gifted people, they were not people without prejudice and preferences. They were people that were pretty messed up. They were people who failed to understand. They got fed up and confused and angry. So there is hope for people like us. And when you use this woman to bring salvation to her village, you used her not because she was a pillar of society, not because she was a respectable character, not because she was a good person in any way, but you used her because even though she was despised and people avoided her and he, she was regarded as the greatest of sinners. So there is hope for us. Father, be with us. Help us to learn how to put ourselves out and put ourselves into difficult situations in order to talk about you and introduce people to you. We ask it in the name of Jesus and for the glory of the kingdom. Amen. Amen.